Okay, hello and welcome to Ella Governor of the Podcast. As always, I am Abdullah and my guest today is, introduce yourself, good sir. Hey, I'm Luis Bermudez. I am a professional voice actor based in Las Vegas. Um, that's it. <laughs> oh, so you're based in Vegas, not LA. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've been working remotely pretty much the entirety of the pandemic and up until now. Mm-hmm. So uh, first question is the obvious one, but uh, how did you get started? Yeah, I mean, I started uh, probably in like, I think when I want to say February of 2019, I had met up with um, Orion Acaba, um, who is a very talented voice actor and also director and other things. And um, he had posted on Twitter that he was opening up um, some coaching spots to help people who were interested or pretty much at any level of entry. And um, I had done kind of acting before that just as a hobby and in high school for my high school theater program. Um, and always wanted to try voice acting and, and pursue a career in acting professionally, but just never had the means. Um, and I saw it as an opportunity, jumped right on it, and then coached with him for about a month before he said, you know, hey, um, there's not so much <laughs> more I can teach you. Um, hit the road, Jack. And uh, he, he pushed me out with a demo and said, um, you, you know, you're, you, you've got great chops. Now, anything else that you could possibly learn is stuff that you could learn doing the job. And from there, I just kind of took the ball and, and started rolling with it. What do you love and hate about what you do? Oh, man. <laughs> right off the bat with tough questions. Uh, I love most things about my job. Um, being able to work collaboratively with other creatives in a field that is chock full of people who are passionate about what they do and have been dreaming and hoping and praying that they could do it as long as they could live um, is, I mean, like the people you work with, I think are, are the main joy of the job. It's because I've rarely met anybody who doesn't love what they do. Um, and that's awesome. Uh, coming from like a, uh, I mean, I've done every type of job under the sun before this. I was, I've worked in fast food. I've worked in retail. I've worked in sales. I've did security. I even worked on a, on a fishing vessel in Alaska for a while. Um, and nine times out of 10, when you're working with people who are working a nine to five or a standard, you know, full-time job, um, it, it's a survival thing more than anything else. This is, I mean, there's so many people in this industry who would do it for free. Um, and are lucky enough to be making a living doing it. So that's one thing. Um, I love being able to express myself. I love art. I love storytelling. Um, as a kid, I kind of ate up any media that I could. I was a very big cinephile. I loved movies. I loved video games. I sunk most of my time in my youth into video games when I wasn't watching a movie or had my nose stuck in a book. Um, I mean, storytelling is something to me that I think is it harkens back to early man. You know what I mean? We, we, we were sitting around the fire trying to keep each other warm at night, trying to keep the shadows at bay, so to speak, right? And you would tell stories, and it was oral tradition then. You would pass it down person to person, and now it's this beautiful thing where we have physical pieces of media that we can go back and revisit and watch these stories over and over and over again or re-encounter them in different ways or re-experience them when new like DVD collections come out and they're like, Hey, 20 minutes of extra footage that we like splice together into a horrible amalgamation into your favorite thing. Um, but yeah, there's, there's that aspect of it that I love. Um, and I wouldn't say there's an aspect that I hate. Um, but there is an aspect that I have 
uh, a general distaste for, and I think it's just the, um, and I think it's more a, a, a modern issue than anything else. I don't know if this existed prior, but I mean, I'm sure it did to some aspect or some level or degree, but the, um, the onset of social media has kind of made so much of this job um, comparison to like other people doing the job to people who have been doing this for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, their whole lives practically um, versus people who like maybe even started before you did or after you did. Um, And there's this weird mindset that I think comes about when you're in a competitive field. And I mean, 90% of my friends are all vying for the same jobs that I am. Right. Um, And it makes, it makes it hard. I think, if you don't have a certain fortitude of, 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 of character um, to navigate those waters in a way that isn't detrimental to you and to your relationships. I think one of my mentors, Julie Nathanson had something to say once where it was um, your fellow actors, your peers aren't your competition. They're your inspiration. And I love that because I, I don't see, you know, when I'm, when I'm, I'm a Latino guy for, for instance, when I f- know that, you know, Alejandro Saab is going for a role or, or, um, you know, anybody else in the medium is going after a role, David Matranga, any, any of these other actors who are so good at what they do going after a role. And I know for a fact, you know, like Zach Aguilar is probably reading for this character and, you know, it's, it's me and, and these other Titans of this industry going in for, for a role, for a job, really. Um, it, it can be, I think early on, it was very tough to kind of separate um, you know, my, my respect for these people and also my, my like desired, not selfishly to book the job. Right. Um, and not to, to like, yeah, I've outbooked Zach Aguilar. I, I took a job out of, out of Alejandro Saab's hands, right. Nothing like that. But the, the idea that we're, we're constantly going in for the same stuff and most of us kind of fall within a certain range of what we can do. And so we're naturally in competition with each other. And it's, it's separating that, I think, aspect of like, hey, it's competition, but it, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be cutthroat. It doesn't have to be bloodthirsty. Um, that was something that was very early on kind of tough for me to wrap my hand around because I never necessarily wanted to, you know, make it a competition. I just wanted to work. Um, and I'm still very much of the same mindset. But now when I see a role go to a peer that I also went in for, I'm just as excited for them. And maybe it stings on a certain level, but I mean, I'm thrilled to see people that I respect and, and adore and, you know, frankly aspire to working and succeeding in the same field. And I think that would probably be my least favorite thing is just that the way that social media kind of curates who we are as people and then truncates us into like 10% of what our real personalities and, and, and who we are as people. Um, and then projects the, the best versions of ourselves and, and it's, it makes it liable for comparison and for, you know, imposter syndrome to run rampant, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's why I, I just stopped looking at Instagram cause I just could not handle yeah. looking at just the mm-hmm. best of highlights of my life. I'm like, I don't, I don't need this. I don't, I don't need to look yeah, at this. Man. You got to limit that screen time. Cause I mean, it's, it's not even just in what I do. It's in everything. Social media is this incredible tool that we can use to kind of reach out to people all over the world and it's fantastic for communication and for outreach and for for pushing forward you know great ideas and all that good stuff but 
at the same time, there's just that dark side that comes with it where it's like you have constant access to, you know, everybody around you. And if you're not doing as much as they are, what are you doing wrong? Right. And that's such an unhealthy way to live. I mean, I can't even imagine like even just talking about the pandemic, right? All of us were on our phones and on our computers because that's all we could do. Um, this generation that's coming up, Gen Z and, and the people, and even the kids, you know, after them, that next generation afterwards, um, I, I feel for them, man. It's tough growing up with a cell phone in your hand. I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't, I didn't even have like a touchscreen phone until <laughs> what, like sophomore, junior year of high school. Really? I mean, like, and it's, it knowing how my brain formed before that to how my brain drastically changed after having that piece of technology and that instant gratification, that instant access is it's daunting. So to be like fresh out the womb <laughs> with an iPad in your hand, man, that's crazy. I, I hope you guys are getting therapy because we all need it, but you guys are going to need it, you know? Oh yeah. Because I, it was funny because I, I was thinking about this where like, I remember being 19 years old and you know, doing YouTube and making YouTube videos and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And I couldn't handle people saying negative things about me. I couldn't. Yeah. And yeah. whenever I got involved in like serious drama, like that destroyed me mentally. I remember yeah. a time where I was just constantly angry at everybody. I was angry at like what people were saying about me, how like I, I couldn't get my story out there. Like I couldn't get my side of the story out there, how everyone just vilified me and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. it's scary. Like I can't imagine dealing with that for the rest of your life, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, the reality too, is that in real life, right? Cause social media isn't, I hesitate to say that it's real. The connections you can make through social media is real. The friends and the, and the, and the, the, you know, the families you can find on social media is very real. And there's so many real experiences that happen because of social media, but I would hesitate to say that it's real life because in real life, you know, people screw up and they grow and they learn and they go, man, what an asshole I was. And, and they, they have the, 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 the benefit of like being able to do that in private nowadays. I mean, you have a digital footprint from the time you're 10 years old, you know, and like you, you, you don't know what you don't know. So sometimes you make an ass of yourself, frankly, and, and people are, are justified in being angry with you sometimes, but also like, it's, it's hard to navigate because again, it's, it's that you're, you're putting 10% of yourself up online. And so people are making a character assessment of you based off of that, that narrow aspect of your personality without context of who you are, without context of what you've gone through or where you're coming from. I mean, most people don't even know what fucking state you live in, but <laughs> they're happy to sit here and lob judgment at you. And it's, it's rough, man. It's, 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 there's, there's a lot of accountability that I think is great. That's come from social media where we're able to kind of point to these people who are demonstrably, you know, uh, bad people, the Harvey Weinsteins of the world, right? Where it's just like, wow, you are objectively a bad fucking person. Fuck you. Um, versus, versus, you know, the everyday schmo who's just, you know, maybe doesn't have the, 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 the quite the um, grasp of social etiquette um, that others do. And it's rough. It's, it's really rough. You, you got to find people, I think, who are willing to give you that space to grow. And also, you know, not not give you uh, an easy avenue of escape and say, ah, those people are jerks. Cause maybe they're not, maybe they're right. And you, you, you did overstep. Right. But 
you got to give people the opportunity to grow and you got to give people the opportunity to, you know, apologize, make amends and, and, and become better people. Right. No, 100% agree with you because I do believe in personal growth. Hell, like I used to be really abusive to people back in like, you know, 13 Mm. years ago, but you know, I put in the work and you know, I'm not one of those people who just is like, Oh, you know, here's my, non-apology about addressing something that came to light recently i'm like no like i don't feel like you know i don't feel like that's honest first of all i feel like if you're gonna talk about this these sorts of things you should do it in in a way that's that's respectful and doesn't make you look like you know an asshole (laughs) like you know Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's hard to do hard to balance it's very hard to do and it's very hard to do and i know like there are going to be people who you know, one of these days, someone's going to dig up old audio of me saying something, you know, like something I would never say. And then they're going to be like, oh, he did this. He did that. You know, how could you be on this guy's podcast and what have you? And it's like, dude, I was like, what, 20, 23 when I said those things, like, I'm not, you know, like not yeah. the same person I am now. So like, what are you trying to prove here? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's social media. It's, it's everybody, again, that instant access, that magnifying glass, you know, it's, it's rough to navigate. So I, I, I feel for a lot of people who grew up in it. And I feel for a lot of people who are growing up in it now, because it is, it is evolving and it's getting better and we're getting better as people, I think, at communicating with each other and setting those boundaries and creating healthy avenues for, 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 um, what is it to, to vent our, our issues and our disagreements and stuff, but we're not quite there yet. We're, we're still babies. Uh, we're still very new to all of this, I think. Um, but we'll get there, you know, we'll get there. So, you know, growing up, were you a street fighter kid? Oh man. I was more a Capcom versus Marvel kid. To be honest, I think I missed the street fighter wagon just by a couple, but like a, probably a few years, honestly. Um, but I was really big on Capcom versus Marvel and, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat. I was a big fighting game kid as well. Um, and then by the time I was old enough that, you know, Street Fighter 4 and then um, Street Fighter 5 came out, I was kind of out of that realm. Um, I'd moved more towards like narrative stuff like The Last of Us and all that, and Assassin's Creed and all that stuff. Um, also because I'm bad at games, <laughs> just to be completely frank, like street fighter is probably one of the most technical fighting games out there that I've ever gotten my hands on. And like, even now, like I remember when I found out that I was going to voice Blanca, um, I purchased the, uh, the like collector's edition that had recently come out for the switch. And I was trying to wrap my head around the, the old schools, just street fighter two controls. And it was like, man, this is, my fingers hurt. <laughs> this, is, this is gnarly. This is tough. And like, I was just like, well, maybe it's, you know, maybe they've updated the control scheme. And I'm just like, nope, they just made it more complicated. Great. I will have fun getting absolutely trounced by everybody that I play against when this game finally releases. But, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd had a lot of familiarity with the characters and with Capcom's work, obviously, um, at a very young age. And so when I found out that I was going to voice Blanca, that was like, insane to me I, I couldn't believe it because um you know you mentioning that you're latino you, i think you're the first like latino person who has ever played this character and i think that's pretty cool yeah likewise man i mean it's it's awesome from like a representation standpoint because we've kind of always 
known that Blanca was from Brazil, even before, like, before we knew, right? Because <laughs> in the original, I think in the original storyline, he's a kid on a plane from, from wherever in the world he is. I don't know if it's specifically mentioned. But Jimmy's on a plane, and the plane goes down, and somehow he turns green and learns how to electrify people because he hangs out with eels. Um, and that was as far as it went. And it was great because it was like, what, the early 80s? You didn't need much more explanation than that. Suspension of disbelief was astronomical. So, yeah, that makes sense to me. Hung out with eels, hang out in the forest. Now he's green, and he shoots electricity. Awesome. Um, but as time went on, I feel like they kind of really wanted to, to really hone in on who he was as a person and as a character and when it was like prevalent that he was Brazilian, it was, it was so cool to me growing up. Um, not even just as a Latino kid, but like a big hairy kid <laughs> to, to, to be like, Oh, that's one of ours. Cool. Hell yeah. Um, and, and that being said, I mean like the people who, who've played Blanca before me are my heroes. Like Talison Jaffe, like, I mean it, that this dude, frankly, he, he he created the character and who he is now and, and his mannerisms and his ideologies and even the way he sounds. And I tried to pay a lot of homage to that in, in, in my performance for the game and as well as honor the original Japanese voice actor. Um, and I'm just so excited for people to finally see, you know, what we did and, and, and if they like it, I hope they do. I hope they love it. Um, because uh, it's, it's the block I think that people know and love with a little bit of a different flavor um, and maybe a little bit more context that is suitable for him in this, in this current date and age. I think the only thing I don't like is going from street fighter, street fighter fives, like cartoonish art style to like street fighter six is like realist, hyper realistic <laughs> art style is kind of weird. Cause it's like, you look at Blanca mm-hmm. in like street fighter five, he's very cartoonish, very, you know, and, very weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very weird looking. And then you go to Street Fighter Six, and it's like very uncanny valley. Let's just say. <laughs> I feel you. I mean, to be fair, there's. I don't think there's an animator in the world that could tackle Blanca and make him look normal. <laughs> I mean, even his original sprite. That's a funny looking guy. Um, but but yeah, I, I feel I, I I love the art direction of the new game. I mean, even more than just like the character models and like the texturing and how everything's hyper realistic. One, when I saw Ryu in the trailer and I saw his little toesies and those sandals, I was like, yo, that is Ryu. That's sick. Um, but then also just like the, the art direction of like the, the graffiti being implemented into the specials and, and the soundtrack being heavily inspired by hip hop and by, you know, street musicians. I mean, it gives and lends an identity to street fighter that I feel like, was always there, but has been lacking, frankly. Because, I mean, like, you could see it in the original artwork. I mean, they're in an alley, there's graffiti spray-painted, and then there's this big green monster attacking a guy, right? Um, and, and you know, now come to flash forward, you know, to however many years in the future we are now, and it just it makes so much sense to have all of this art direction kind of implemented. Um, me, frankly... I'm happy that Blanca finally has like real clothes. He's got like a little overall going on. He's got a bandana. Like he's a Husky, you know, he's still got the chains on his ankles and hands, you know, maybe just cause at this point he thinks they're, he feels like they're trendy. Um, but you know, I, I really love the direction the, uh, the artist took with the characters in the game more than just Blanca. A lot of the new characters, Melissa looks freaking awesome. Um, uh, uh, Kimberly and, and, you know, uh, 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 Lily also are just amazing. Like, 
the, the the original characters it's i feel like they've elevated and and kind of sunk into that realism because we really want one thing i feel like was lacking and not to like critique my employers but like one thing i feel like was lacking in street fighter uh five was like a weight to the characters right like a gravity to them because they're hitting each other constantly but there's not a lot of like i I always felt like there was not a lot of impact now i mean you watch even just the 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 preliminary footage they've shown now and every single hit looks like it weighs a metric ton and it's like maybe that's just the art direction or maybe that's you know the the animators doing what they do fantastically but i think it looks really really cool um i get that it's not for everybody i feel that uh especially you know looking at my boy first (laughs) if you start with blanca looking at this current art style you're you're gonna be like oh okay all right (laughs) but that's kind of just in general you know what else do you expect of a guy who probably like ate lizards in a forest for a while um but yeah i'm really excited to see what it looks like as as a full finished product i think i think a lot of people are gonna dig it and, uh, you know, as a big, you know, Zangie fan, I'm like, yeah, you know, looking when I watched Dude. like his reveal, I'm like, yes, we're finally going back to basics with Zangief. Yeah. <laughs> he looks bigger in this game than he's ever looked in any game. <laughs> like he's, he is a truck, that man. He's huge. I love him. I love what they did with him. No, I, I love Zangief. Like Zangief is such a fun character to play. Yes, he's oh, yeah. cheap. Yes, he's overpowered, but who cares? They he's all Zangief. Are to some degree. <laughs> Come on, they're all broken to some degree, let's be honest. Hey, I mean, it wouldn't be Street Fighter if they weren't like specialist classes, you know? Yeah, yeah no, no. Like, I went, I remember when uh, Super Street Fighter 4 came out, I, I was a T-Hawk main because he was just broken mm. as all hell. And oh yeah, one of my favorite things to do was, I remember this one time uh, in, in college, we would, you know, set up, a, you know, we would set up like, we had this like little gaming setup that we would mm. hang out at, you know, play, you know, video games during uh, our breaks and i remember i was t-hawk and another guy was zangief and we just went at it like just two yeah. tr- two trucks just yeah. bang just teasing each other constantly <laughs> yeah. hell yeah it was that's the most fun i ever had in college let me tell you that's awesome man yeah i mean that's that's what video games are is is just it like you can think about the soundtrack for a game for me it's always like the final fantasies right like if 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 somebody plays the, the the opening theme that title card screen for final fantasy 10 i'm instantly transported to middle school like that you know what i mean it's it's so it's i'm i'm really really excited for like old school and hardcore street fighter fans to like come back to these characters and revisit them and see who they are now because i feel like, and i maybe i'm wrong but like i feel like a lot of the stories have been uh, in the previous games have been kind of like, Oh, this is a prequel. This is like a weird time skippy thing. This is kind of like, I think one of the more recent looks into who these characters are and what they're dealing with, you know, as, as far as, you know, current storyline. So I'm excited for people to see um, where their favorite characters have gone and where they've ended up. I mean, I know a lot of people are stressed out about Ken. (laughs) Frankly, I'm stressed out for him. He looks like he needs some sleep uh, and like some vitamin water, but (laughs) But I'm excited for people to check it out, man, and make new memories. And I'm excited for the new fans who maybe have never played a Street Fighter before, but they're going to jump into this one. I feel like they're going to get a great experience. I just hope they bring back Bison because it just it just feels wrong not to have Bison around. <laughs> I'm sure they'll get around to it, you know? No, 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 I can't confirm anything, obviously. I'm not the voice of Bison, but I would love to see it too. Uh, I, feel like, I, I feel like I'd love to see Bison with a beard. I feel like it's time. Just a big, just a big beard on his face. I don't know why. 
I always thought Sagat would look badass with a beard. I, I just, I don't know why they yeah. never gave him a beard. Why did they get, why did they not give him Everybody should get a beard. Ken's <laughs> got stubble. Ryu's got a beard. Uh, Blanca's got like little chin hairs going on. Everybody should get a beard. Everyone should, Chun-Li should get a beard. I mean, they gave Dalsum a beard and no one complained. So there you go. <laughs> and Dalsum looks sick. He looks so good with the beard. I just, I love it. I love chin hairs, man. <laughs> good stuff. Whiskers, whiskers is good stuff. It's always a good addition. Okay, who has the best beard in fiction? Go. Oh, man. I think it comes down to who's the most effective with their beard. And if there's, like, at this point, you have to think of, like, somebody who was already, like, a Casanova before they had facial hair and then just transcended to godhood as the second they got a beard. So I'd have to say, if we're talking about, like, length and maintenance, it's got to be, it's it's got to be Gandalf the Grey. Um, because I mean, that, that thing is unruly, but once he becomes Gandalf the white, it's like pristine. You can tell he's mixing in oils in there. He's combing it out every day. He's got a boar bristle bush that he uses to run through it and take care of it to make it silky. It's nice. Um, but as far as like the, the power of the beard, Geralt of Rivia, like from Geralt of Rivia in the, in the first game literally could have anyone he wants in the world of, of like all of the most attractive sorceresses in the on the planet. Geralt of Rivia in the Witcher three is unstoppable. He's a machine just, just un, like un, unrelenting force of sex appeal. He's it's great. So yeah, those, those would be my two. If they were to fight against each other, I'd probably Geralt, probably, uh, probably not Geralt, uh, probably Gandalf. He, he soloed a Balrog, you know, he got all that, that party experience for himself. No, uh, to me, like, the best beard in fiction has to be Xanatos from Gargoyles. Like, no one can beat that guy when it comes to oh, beards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he wields that thing like a knife. That man is, he's hes like, I am the worst person on the planet, but I'm rich and attractive. And my beard is neatly, ca- I mean, you, the only person that could compete with him is Tony Stark. On, on how tr- well trimmed and manicured that beard is. It's a solid beard. Good, good, good choice, for sure. And again, you know, Riker, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> like, For sure. I love how, you know, uh, Frakes just grew a beard during during off time and uh, Roddenberry was like, yeah, sure, keep it, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. I guess it was chilly, I guess. Cool. Whatever. It looks good. <laughs> Hell, yeah. That's why it's so weird, like watching early start, early next generation, and just not seeing him with the beard. And it's like, who's this baby that they got? <laughs> that is a child in a in a jumpsuit. What's going on? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's always funny. And uh, out of all the characters you've played, which one would you say was the toughest? Mm. I mean, they've all been they've all been so fun. I mean, like the difficulty. I think comes into uh a lot more of the like mental gymnastics i have to do as an actor because like vocally it's not like they're very stressful i mean well (laughs) ranzo from beyblade uh pretty pretty vocally stressful because he's i mean he has one volume it's loud um and blanca i mean again very vocally uh uh, technical uh role but I wouldn't say like they were too difficult. I mean, the, the worst thing that happened to me when I was recording for Blanca and the, the, you know, the people at new generation pictures and, and, and my friends there were awesome with like making sure I was taking care of my vocal health while I was doing it. Because again, he's this big growly monster man. Right. 
Um, vocally, I did fantastic. I mean, I, I, I was able to, you know, use my false chords to kind of create that signature sound. So it wasn't too taxing on me. If anything, like physically, I like got cramps in my back a lot because I was getting real into the, into the delivery. So I guess technically Blanca, but I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say any of them were like tough. I, I, they were just the, the hardest part about any role is, is getting yourself into the mindset that you need to be in to deliver an honest performance because something that you can lose very easily when you're like play, playing a big green monster man is what his motivations are. Or when you're playing, you know, a 14 year old kid, when you're a 29 year old man, you know, what this kid is after, what, what are his goals? What does he want to do? Um, so with anything that's kind of difficult in, in and of itself, right? That's why, you know, professional actors are paid to do what they do is because we're able to channel into something that's, authentic and true and real enough that the suspension of disbelief is just is 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 released so that you can enjoy whatever it is you're watching right you believe that you know the voice coming out of this kid is is his you don't think about how it's a, a you know a, a dude in a studio somewhere same thing with blanca you know you you want when you're playing this big green monster man um you want to feel his desire to become you know a famous jungle excursion guide you want to feel his desire to make his mama proud you know you, you, you what you don't the, the motivation of the character the other day when you have to look kind of beyond what they look like right you would see you would see blanca and you'd be like oh that's uh that's that's the, the japanese incarnation of the incredible hulk but when you really look at who the character is he's a mama's boy you know he's a budding entrepreneur he's trying to start a business and trying to put his name on the map to not just like make his mother proud but to kind of be more than what he is to be more than just this this thing that crawled out of the jungle and scared the crap out of the locals one day and he's trying to you know be be uh, an inspiration and, and a light to his people and trying to get brazil on the map in the same aspect you know he wants people to take you know his his home seriously and to to appreciate it for its natural beauties um, which, you know, if you think about even just, you know, modern day, you know, there was, the, there was all the fires that were going on in the Amazon. You can, I can, I can imagine, you know, going into my, going into my work when they told me like, oh yeah, you know, Blanca wants to become a jungle guide, you know? Yeah, sure. That's, that's awesome. But like the real reason I think he would want to do that isn't just because he wants to get famous and make a bunch of money is because he cares about the forests and the jungles and the creatures that live in it. I mean, he grew up in that beauty immersed in it right so i had to bring that to everything that i did that involved talking about the jungle and talking about you know what he does now for a living because you know that matters that's that's incredibly you know important to who he is as a character and the narrative that he serves inside of street fighter 6 right everybody in that game and everybody in, in every piece of media that you work in all the characters in any given piece of media they all kind of work together towards a singular narrative. And so there's all these people vying for, for different stuff. Um, and, you know, in the case of Street Fighter, it's to become world champion or whatever, right? But they're doing that for a reason. They have a goal in mind. They have something they want to accomplish. And so it's finding a way to bring that into, like, a reaction to me getting kicked in the face, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so that's probably, like, technically wise, that's probably the most difficult thing about every job. And that's why it, it makes me laugh whenever, you know, you defeat a character and they and they yell out like a uh a defeat sound or like a yeah. uh, like a little thing 
that I think that adds to the character. I think you know when you beat, you know, for example, mm-hmm. you know when you beat Balrog in um, in four. He says, my fight money, you know, because he lost because <laughs> yeah. he's not going to make that money back. <laughs> exactly. And that's his, you know, maybe it's not the most noble intention, but it's his intention, you know, like it's, it's awesome. to hear. And I feel like even if you go back and, and like you listen to some of the other characters where maybe they don't say anything, but it's just like this blood curdling scream, you can feel how much they're losing because they lost that fight. And that's, that's important, right? It's this thing that we kind of take for granted um hearing it in the game a hundred thousand times right because you're just trying to get good (laughs) you're just trying to get to platinum or whatever it is you're trying to do but when you're really playing the game if that's missing you can pick up on it and you go oh man that that scream just didn't feel that didn't hit for me you know and that will take you out of it a hundred times you know however many times you, you you go back and you play the game and you know whatever else so it's it's um it's 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 challenging but you have to do that so that you can kind of um make the best experience for the players that's why i really loved um sagat's voice actor from you know four because if you play his his story mode and, and you know you fight ryu and you do the you do the you do his uh his alt he doesn't yell out the the normal attack in that story mode he just says ryu he just screams out ryu's name and it's like yeah, because this is the the rematch. This is like, you know, it yeah. means a lot to him because again, you know, Street Fighter lore here. Mm-hmm. Ryu was the first guy to ever beat him one on one, and that scar on his um on his chest is a reminder of the one time mm-hmm. he lost. Because up until that point, no one had beaten him, but totally. you know, Ryu was the only man to beat him, and he's like, I got to beat this guy in a fair fight, otherwise, <laughs> you know, I, I'll never. You know, I'll never live, live this down. And I think that's just such a, you know, again, man, Street Fighter lore, man, it's it's much, actually much more complex than people realize. Yes. Yeah. And it's it's only like the people who really resonate with it and really fuck with it that I feel like they, they recognize that and they see that. Because for everybody else, it's fun, colorful characters beating the absolute snot out of each other. And that's great. You know what I mean? Like that on its own is is fantastic. You can have a successful franchise without all the stuff we're talking about. But the fact that the people at Capcom and the people, you know, behind Street Fighter care that much to put all of that into it, I mean, it's fantastic. It's, it's, it makes it what it is. I mean, when we, the number of sessions where, you know, I, I went in for Blanca and we were doing something, we would listen to the Japanese ref, and then we would go in for the English. The amount of times where me and the clients would sometimes look at each other and go, that wasn't it. And we would go back in for it, even though it was like, whether it's, you know, a blood-curdling scream or a horrible, monstrous noise that I'm making that's going to, you know, shred my vocal cords. We're like, no, we got we to gotta do this for the fans. We got to make sure that it works and that it's, it's, it's honoring the weight and the gravity of, of everything these characters have dealt with because I feel like if, if there's ever been a Street Fighter game that cares about that stuff, it's this one. You know what I mean? There's so much at stake for these characters. I mean, looking at, you know, the stuff that Ryu has gone through that, that, that they've published and talked about and seeing the stuff that Ken has gone through that they've published and talked about. Like, these, these people have, have been through the ringer. You know, they've been through some of the some of the most, you know, jarring, challenging, excruciating stuff in their careers at this point. And so everything is is on the line here. Um, and I feel like that we really kind of carried that into every session. We really just, you know, if, if we're at a 10, how can we take it to a 12? Um, how can we just give it that extra bit of 
energy, that extra bit of sauce, whatever it may be, to just make it as good as it possibly can be. Yeah, and I totally agree because, you know, if, if your performance isn't authentic, no one's going to care. 100%. 100%. You know, and like the last, I mean, the last thing you want is to be taken out of a game where, you know, something just isn't, isn't as, as good as it could be. You know, and that's my, that's, for me, that's my worst fear as an actor is, is somebody going, eh, <laughs> not even, not even like, wow, that was objectively bad because like, okay, maybe I went for something and it didn't work if it's just, if it's just bad. Right. But it, complete indifference or, or, or like just, uh, just kind of lackadaisicalness about it. That for me is the killer is like, oh, you're not like, you're not like horrified or like incredibly enthusiastic about it. I didn't do my job, you know? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you because I think I said this before, but indifference to me is way worse than hate because Mm -hmm. hate is an emotion. Indifference is nothing. Yeah. And you can't help what people hate, right? Some people, I mean, the amount of, the amount of like, because I do a lot of anime too, the amount of times where you're working in a dub and you can match the Japanese performance perfectly and somebody who just really loves sub is, is still going to hate your performance because you're not the Japanese actor and you're not speaking Japanese and you're not performing the way a Japanese actor would. So it's like, all right, you know, you can't help hate. You can't, you can't do anything about it sometimes. But indifference, oh man, that's, that's crushing. Just, eh, I don't feel one way or the other about it. Okay, great, thanks. <laughs> you know? Now, speaking of anime, like, how did you take to dubbing? Was it easy or was it hard? I think at first it was like, oh, man. <laughs> I think there was, a, there was a tweet I made very early on in my career. Um, I say early on, like, I haven't been at this for three years. Um, but, like, eh, year one or year, like, one and a half of me doing this when I was finally kind of getting my, my feet wet in dubbing, I was just like, man, I just want to do, I want to do more stuff. I want to do more, you know, in-depth characters with more teeth to them. And then I booked something that was like, I probably like Meng Wu in, in Kingdom. And I was just like, damn, these flaps have hands because it gets tough. <laughs> it's like, you know, you, you really want to get those big speaking parts and those big roles. And like, you don't, you don't get how difficult it is until you're really there doing the job. Because you can be a fantastic actor and a garbage dubber. And that's just the truth. Not everybody has the skill to do dub acting. Not everybody has the skill to to match flap, do internal timing and sync. And my stuff, like, I was good at a passable level, I would say, when I started. But I was nowhere near the level that I am now where I can drop 100 cues in a two-hour session, right? Like, now I fly through it because I've had, you know, the goodwill of, of people in the dubbing industry, people like Stephanie Shea and... And, and, you know, people like Caitlin Glass and, and people that have, like, Emily Fajardo, people that have just, like, taken a chance on me and given me the opportunity to show my ability to act and do stuff um, in this medium. You know, with, with the more work you do, the better and better you get at it. And, you know, I'm fortunate now to be very, very good at it. I mean, I dubbed, I did a live action dub for a show called El Galan, or uh, if you look it up on Hulu, it's called The Heartthrob. Practically that entire show I did without any picture because the internet was so bad from my from my studio to the to the studio in LA that like we were getting a frame a, a minute it was awful but I was able to you know time the internal sync thankfully the characters were speaking Spanish so I understood what they were saying and where to put what I needed to put 
Um, and we had a rhythmo band going so that I could kind of use that for timing. But I was doing that without picture, without seeing flap, without knowing at all where I was in, in the frame of, of picture. And I had to kind of just put my faith in my director and my engineer who were fantastic and carried me through that, that production and did awesome work for me. Lots of heavy lifting on their part. But um, I wasn't always that good. And it takes time and it takes the faith of people who, who are really good at this to kind of put time and energy into you so that you can get that good. So I'm very fortunate in that aspect. I love, I love dubbing. I love doing anime. I love live action dubbing. It's, um, it's something that I don't think I'll ever be able to let go. I mean, there's a lot of actors, I think, who kind of move away from that once they start booking video games and, and prelay stuff. And while I am doing all that stuff and I'm very fortunate and happy to be doing that, that's kind of where my goal always lied to begin with. Um, I've been such a huge fan of anime my entire life that, like, I can't see myself ever walking away from that medium, um, just because it's, it's something I'm so, so, so passionate about. And I gotta mention, you know, your work on, your work on JoJo is really a lot of fun. I would imagine that, (laughs) that session, because look, I know Sonny doesn't do much, No, he doesn't. but his, but his, (laughs) but his fight with Westwood is just like, Oh, yeah. The most fun thing ever. It's like, look, you want to know what JoJo's <laughs> about? It's just two beefy dudes beating the yeah. fuck out of each other. Just wailing on each other. Man, that was... Uh, JoJo's was one of those shows that I was kind of aiming to get in for a long time. Because it is such a, like... There's there's really nothing else in the anime world like it right now. I mean, like, the closest approximation is, like, what, what, maybe Berserk? Because there's a bunch of beefy boys in it. But, like, even then, the style, the joie de vivre, the the just in-your-face about everything that it has, the, the crazy, kooky dialogue, the insane names of the characters, the specials, the hair. I mean, it's, 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 it's like if a hair metal band made an anime. It's fucking amazing. Um... And I was very fortunate to be able to work with Courtney Sanford. And he was just like, hey, you know, you're really good at this. Um, I'm sad that you have a character that's like, that appears like once in this entire series. But if this is your JoJo role, let's go fucking ham. And I was like, bet. <laughs> we we did just that. We did that again, that, what, that thing where it's like, if we're at a 10, how can we take it to a 12? And I mean, he had me spitting and salivating in the booth, giving those takes. And it was like, up until that point, we had been flying through. And then we get to the fight with Vivian Westwood. And he's just like, do you want to go crazy? And I was just like, absolutely, please let me off the chain. Let me go rabid. And that's, that's, you know, what we were able to create with it. And I was very, very pleased with how it turned out because it is possibly my most unhinged work <laughs> and i don't think i'd be able to do it in anything but jojo's it's awesome no and so also thank you for that. <laughs> also i gotta mention like i love his design because he's just basically uh walmart uh walmart uh uh what, what's his face from, from giorno Park. yeah walmart giorno <laughs> yeah i call him nightmare giorno because he's just he's horrific uh but yeah it's <laughs> very much so uh he is he is yeah his little donut hole haircut is fantastic (laughs) no i and i it's kind of funny because i i you know i just want i just want someone who's not familiar with jojo like if if you're not familiar with jojo just send him a a screen cap of like your character making like these weird faces and it's like there you go that's all you need to know about jojo (laughs) 
<laughs> as JoJo's. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like it's it's such a it's such a fun time, man. And those characters, like I said, there's there is nothing like them in media anywhere else. It's 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 a it's a great time, a hundred percent. Yeah, and it's it's sort of funny because like whenever I hear my friends in the dub, I'm like, man, like they're that now they're pandering to me now. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, because so many, so many people who are in JoJo's are JoJo's fans. You know what I mean? Like Kira Buckland, and I was so glad she got Jolene because there's, as far as I'm concerned, there's nobody else who could have played her. Um, but I mean, that was a role she was vying for for so long, and it was because she knew she could fucking give it everything she had, and she did. She, I mean, from 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 tip to tail, she imbued that role with every ounce of sauce she had to deliver. Um, and it's so many of the people who work on it are equally as big of fans of the show as anybody else who's wa- just watching it. That's what what I think is great about modern anime dubbers now, like in today's day and age is like, there was a lot of, you know, even, even though like, not to say like people before us were, weren't fans of what they were doing cause they were, but we in this, in this current generation of voice actors and dubbers, like we grew up on this stuff. Like we grew up with, with Naruto and bleach and, and dragon ball Z and cowboy bebop, like ringing in our ears constantly. And so now to be able to do it, like, you know, the, the amount of like the, the, the line between diehard fan of the property and official voice actor of the character in the property is so razor thin these days. And it's awesome because, you know, you get that much more attention to detail. Um, which is, I feel like, I feel like it's, it's, it's just elevated how good the the dubs are at this current, you know, at, at the, as they currently are. The fact that people love them and are like dying to work on them is awesome. You know, I think it just helps the art that much more. Also, like, I know that, you know, I, I feel like with Jojo, yes, like the English dub, you know, has like that weird localization thing, which I'm not gonna touch on because that that's a <laughs> whole other conversation that i oh, yeah. you know we don't have time for unfortunately uh-huh. but <laughs> one of the things i've noticed is you know with, with jojo it's yeah sure the 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 uh the acting is over the top but there are also mm. like little little hints of you know uh the the act the english dub voice actors making a role their own for example um sports yeah. you know in in the in the Japanese, oh, he just sounds like your typical, you know, he sounds like your typical uh, villain. But, yeah. you know, in, in English, and again, you know, this is great casting. You know, he's played by my friend uh, Kane Murray. And what I love about Kane's interpretation of the character is that he makes him sadistic yet suave yeah. <laughs> in a weird yeah. way. <laughs> Kane is one of those actors that, like, has only recently kind of started doing a lot of dubbing and, like, man... Every time I hear him, I'm like, yo, more of that, please. Because he, yeah, he doesn't care that it's anime. He's like, I'm going to give it my own, my own stuff. Like, I'm going to match the Japanese. I'm going to do all that. But I'm going to, I'm going to put my own sauce in this, my own joie de vie. And he does, man. It's so, it's so good to hear. And like, there's so many actors who are like that, who are able to just like pull this incredibly cinematic, you know, grounded, real, honest performance and put it in a dub like that's insane i mean i think about um for me like personally as as a fan like i think about jonas scott's lego she a lot 
because I, I mean, like I, I, the last time that I'm like being truly like honest, the last time that I remember being so just immersed by a person's acting choices in a role was Steve Bloom and Cowboy Bebop. You know what I mean? Where it was just like, man, every word out of this guy's mouth. It doesn't matter if this is anime like this. We're not watching an isekai. You know what I mean? Like that's, it was that level and degree of acting that made me really passionate about this and really want to pursue it because, you know, I don't, you don't hear that in every anime. And it doesn't, not to say it works for every anime either. There's some stuff where like, hey, you got to go balls to the wall because it's anime. You have to. It's very theatrical. It's very, um, it's very over the top and it's very, very character driven. But sometimes being able to draw on that, that grounded kind of just like leveled in your gut performance is so nice to hear. And it it lends to, you know, what, what really is, is the original writer's intent and, uh, you know, original storyteller's goal and desire, which is, you know, to make people feel something. Um, And, and that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's so cool to see more and more of that happening in dubbing. And I, I just hope it continues and, and the trend eventually makes a full shift towards that because I feel like that will really elevate the playing field for a lot of people. Like I want to see, I want to see dub actors nominated for daytime Emmys. I don't know how we make that happen. (laughs) We get from point A to point B on that spectrum, but I want to see it happen because some of the people in, 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 in dubbing right now, Kellen Goff, Jonas Scott, Stephen Fu, Zeno Robinson, AJ Beckles, Anaris Quinones, like, Xanthi Yoon, like these 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 fucking actors are are just spitting the most unbelievable performances out of their bodies on a whim, and it's like for that to just like end up on Crunchyroll for six ninety nine a month, that to me is a disservice. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I want to see these people's shelves lined with trophies for the amount of work they're putting into this into this into this media. Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I and I've told the story many times before, but you know, when Vampire in the Garden came out, you know, two years ago, was it two years ago? Or was it a year ago? I don't can't know. remember. Time is irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, can't remember. But long story I was short, in that and I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, uh, long story short, when Larissa got you know the main role of Fine, and you know she's mm. one of my best friends, I was like legit crying watching yeah. that because not only was her performance like phenomenal, but like I was just so happy that someone finally saw the talent that she had and be like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. give her the main role. I'm like, 100%. why? Yeah. Like, why aren't we doing more of this? A hundred percent. And I mean, that was, I mean, that was Stephanie Shea's wisdom, number one. And also just Larissa being a fucking, just a dominating, amazing talent. And that's the thing too, is like so much of anime, like is, is especially when it comes to like casting, right? I think a lot of people, fans and actors, get kind of frustrated because it's like you see the same names kind of pop up a lot, um, and that's really just because of the nature of the job. Like you, you, you know, you're given almost no fucking time to work on these things. Like especially if you're doing a simul dub, they want that like five episodes out yesterday. You know what I mean? Um, so sometimes it's like you know we got to hire who we know can do the job, and that's just the nature of the beast. And it's not any like anything to say about you know, other talents or, or, or other directors or to say that people are getting pigeonholed and, you know, some of that happens, but like nine times out of 10 people are, are acting in good faith and, and just trying to get the job done and keep people fed and working. Um, but 
every now and again, like we can kind of take a step back and go, you know what? And I'm sure Stephanie was trying to find something meatier for Larissa to do. I mean, ever since Tokyo Godfathers, which Larissa did an amazing job in that as well. Like just something meatier for this incredibly talented actor to just show their chops and show their full deck of cards. And, and yeah, man, she, she absolutely delivered like Fine and, and that last scene that she has with, with Xanthi. I mean, it's like, again, like we need more of that in, in anime because like, it's, it's great to have the kind of popcorny stuff. And that's, that's awesome. That serves its purpose. And I'm, I love that stuff too, but like, I, I, I want to see more, I want to see anime compete with shows like Arcane. You know what I mean? I want to see anime compete with games like The Last of Us because I know in my heart of hearts that there's actors in that medium who who can do that. Unfortunately, they don't get paid as well, and that's a different topic for another day as well. But <laughs> but but I know like I've 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 met so many talented people in this in this industry, especially on that side where they're just like of, of just like dubbers and, and people who do anime almost exclusively where it's just like they they will give you 3000% of them. If it means they get hospitalized, if you get the take you want. And that's the reality of it. I mean, Aaron, Aaron, uh, Dismook, I, I might be saying his name wrong. Um, was like out of commission for a while because that dude does not phone it in. You know what I mean? He will shred his fucking vocal cords on mic to do the job. Um, and I wish he didn't have to do that. And I wish, you know, I, I'm glad that he's recovered and he's back to working, but like at the same time, like that's, that's the kind, that's the caliber of performer that exists in this industry. Um, people who are willing to give everything of themselves to make something as good as it possibly can be because we love it, you know? Yeah, you know, you know, speaking of like my, one of my favorite actors and, you know, yes, he's a veteran, but like, I don't think I've ever heard him give a bad performance. And that's, you know, Keith Silverstein. Like, every time yeah, I hear him in anything, not once has he ever... a monster. Yeah, given a bad performance. And I've had him on the show, and, and it's like, he is like one of the nicest human beings you will ever talk to. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, man. You know? Yeah. No, and he 100%. plays like these horrible monsters. <laughs> <laughs> that's usually that's usually the the pipeline, yeah. Because Kellen Goff is the same way. Like he plays some of the worst people in media, and he's just the biggest fucking teddy bear you'll ever meet. Um, but it's it's you know I find it um, it's it's so common to see that where it's like these people who are so sweet, so nice, so gentle, so giving, and they're able to pull on that darkness like at the drop of a pin, and it's you know, that comes from someplace and that, you know, not to kind of speak for Keith because I, I don't know him very well, but equally I, I, I know his work. And I mean, that dude doesn't phone it in and I don't know where it's coming from, where he's pulling it from, but man, I would love access to just like 10% of what he's got access to because he is a monster. He's a beast. Yeah. And that's, the, that's the great thing. Like, that's what I was saying kind of at the top of the show where I was like, you know, these other actors, they aren't your competition. They're your inspiration. That is so true because when I think about the people that I'm competing for this work with, I mean, when I see them get a job, I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense. They're fucking phenomenal. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Robbie Damon. Yeah, okay. Ray Chase. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, Damon Mills. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like it makes sense. And and you know, it's it's awesome that I'm just. 
allowed to be around these people, man. Like the fact that I'm, I would be happy if I was doing bits in Walla, frankly. But um, the fact that I've been granted some 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 bigger and bigger opportunities to do more and more of what I love, I'm 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 over the fucking moon about it. Like I'm I I hope I get to do more of it. I hope I'm doing this for the rest of my life. Um, and I hope I get to do it with these Titans because at the end of the day, like, I don't want to take work from them. I want to be in shows with them. I want to, I want to work with them. I want to bounce off of them in the booth. You know what I mean? So it's, that's the dream. And I'm, I'm just really, really lucky to be living it. Yeah, no, um, honestly, like keep doing what you're doing. Cause you know, you're, I really love your stuff and, you know, Thank honestly, you. like I, fucking regret not doing this interview a year ago because <laughs> i love highlighting new people that's that's one of the things i love doing i love highlighting the you know the newcomers and the veterans so you know variety people variety <laughs> yeah yeah we'll see you know when it happens it happens but for now i'm just just happy to be on the train man yeah Anyway, uh, I think we're out of time because I, I know your yeah. your schedule is insane. <laughs> like, and uh, mostly just trying to catch up on sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel you. Um, before we get going, uh, can you give us an update on what you're currently working on, and where can people find you online? Yeah, I mean, you can pretty much find me anywhere: uh, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, if you're on there, Luis Bermudez VO. Um, and I'm, I'm doing stuff. Keep an eye out. I'm, I'm, you know, Blanca and Street Fighter six, which is coming out, uh, at some point, I don't know the exact date. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm one of the male player voices in Ghostbusters Spirits Unleashed. I'm, uh, spattered here and about in Final Fantasy seven Crisis Core Reunion. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all over the place. So just, uh, look for me, listen out for me and, uh, you'll be seeing a lot more of me. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time off to do this. This has been great. And, you know, we got to get you back on when more stuff. Uh, yeah, you know. man. Anytime. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me. Seriously. I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.